Hello again and you're very welcome to this week's Women's Rugby Pod. I'm Johnny Hammond and as always I'm joined by Harlequins and England centre Rachel Burford. So Burf, lockdown week six, anything new going on? Uh, I'm learning to juggle. You're learning to struggle did you say? <laughs> juggle. Oh juggle, I was going yeah, to say you mastered to juggle. that. I've been donate. I've done a five k and donated to the NHS, and I've donated to you this week as well for your head shaving. So not much different, but a couple of little things in there. Yeah, something's come up. Actually, we can't do the head shaving, so uh, unfortunate that. Uh, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm, I was going to say you have to. I can't. You're doing well on the sponsorship. Yeah, yeah, really quite, quite, uh, quite. I suppose. I think it's, yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, fair few hundred quid in there. So yeah, if you want to donate, look at our socials. Um, to donate, yes, blindfolded are gonna, children. Are you going to do um, a live video of it, live footage? We are doing it live on Facebook, and if my incredible technical skills can uh, get up to speed, we'll be doing it on Instagram as well. So uh, amazing. Yeah, because I think that's going to be the thing, isn't it? That that one big down the middle of the head. So um, yes. Anyway, no look. Keep donating for... for and now, have, have you written a um, disclaimer? A will? About a this, so that there's no there's no repercussions for your children, whatever the outcome is. No, and there won't be. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we, were, we, were, we were talking uh, on Friday uh, when uh, World Rugby reran the 2014 um, final, of course, which uh, you guys... One against uh, against Canada stirred up quite a lot of memories, didn't it? We were we were having a chat with uh, with with Gary Street. Um, first time you'd you'd seen that since twenty fourteen. Yep, my first time watching it back. Wow, I'd seen like a few highlights, and but yeah, never never sat down to watch it from start to finish. Wow, and what what. You don't remember a great deal of the game you were saying on Friday night. What was your overriding feeling? Did it did it give you a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling for the rest of the weekend? Did it did it stir up some emotions that hadn't been stirred up for a while? What was uh, what was the uh, the dust settling for you after watching it again on Friday? Um, do you know what it was? It was a bit of a mixed emotions because obviously a lot of the players that played in that had moved on, so it's like seeing all their faces uh, you know like Sophie Hemming Joe McGilchrist obviously I know I see some of these players still but you know Emma Leyland you know it's just it's, it was a reminder of all the great players that I played with during that time so there was that side of it and then obviously you know watching walking out to the um, to the start of the game and then the final whistle and the me- medal ceremony like I'd never I'd, I'd never seen me I, I walked up and got my medal presented. Like I'd ne- I've never seen that, um, and just kind of seeing like my face beaming. Like I can see that I'm looking over to where my family is stood, and like I'm waving a flag and just shouting, "Yes, we did it!" And just kind of all the things that at the time I didn't even know that I did um, was kind of like just really, really nice to revisit that and and see that all again. Yeah. And so yeah, I had a, a nice little spring in my step over the weekend. Nice, and the medal's still out. So <laughs> good. Giving it a clean now, or yeah. Well, it's actually very in very good condition. Is it? Yeah, I looked after it well. So you should. 
Do you are you not are you not a framer of things? Would you not, or is that post career, which we obviously hope it's years away? But I I think I will, um, but because I've got quite a few, so I want to work out a good way to kind of represent them all and and have some look like some ideas about how to kind of frame everything together. I mean, I've got um, a couple of framed shirts um, from sevens and fifteens, but I've never really taken that next step. What I did do after the World Cup was um, I scrapbooked everything because there was so much press about us in the papers. So I've got these two massive scrapbooks with um, all the kind of leading into the World Cup, post-World Cup, um, some great moments and... So I've got that that I always look back on, but I haven't yet got round to framing or boxing my caps and medals just yet. Well, yeah, we uh, look forward to seeing them up on the uh, up on the wall. That'll be uh, that'll be a nice nice thing to do. Anyway, uh, look, we're, we're going to continue to to look back, um, not just with you. You can go through all of this, and we'll hopefully get you a, a spring your set for the the rest of the week as well, because we're going to dive down deeper into that uh, that very very special day in 2014 and the build up to it in the company of not just uh, Rachel Burford but also England second row Joma Gilchrist and head coach Gary Street I'm Emily Scarrett and you are listening to the Women's Rugby Pod Well I'm delighted to tell you that we have two people who were also involved in that memorable day in Paris on the line now. In fact, on Zoom right now, here we are looking at each other. It's a huge WRP welcome to Gary Sheet and Joe McGilchrist. How are you guys? Joe, are you are you well? How's, how's lockdown uh, affecting you? Yeah, all good here, thank you. Uh, lockdown's quite interesting, isn't it? I guess unprecedented gets battered around quite a lot but yeah I think everyone's adapting to the changes pretty good optimizing what you can absolutely uh, and are you getting involved on the medical side because you're, you're physiotherapist are you not yes I'm physiotherapist so yeah I've just done some training last week for Nightingale Hospital um, so just waiting to see if they need any extra hands really nice so you're on the edge potentially of getting involved um, well, thank you very much in advance for your efforts. How are you, uh, how are you, Streety? How are your caged um, tigers doing, mate? Are they still rattling around just about? Yeah, uh, <laughs> my very, uh, very physical nine and 13 year olds um, are quite good at battering each other on the trampoline at the moment. Um, they're playing this quite dangerous game with a, with a rut pad where they have to bounce up or over the other one, swinging it around in a circle, which is quite chaotic. Nice. And um, lots of injuries, um, but fortunately, uh, not no hospital visits yet. We don't want that. But um, yeah, it's quite an interesting watch, to be honest. I could imagine, Streety, that you egg them on to do that as well. <laughs> go on, go on, just there we go. <laughs> it could be all yeah, right. Fun contact drill. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. I think it could be a new Olympic sport, dodging the swinging ruck pad on a trampoline. <laughs> Why not? Who knows what's going to come oh out of this, uh, of this period. Guys, we just uh, obviously off the back of uh, Friday, what, it's, uh, it's Tuesday lunchtime now. On Friday, World Rugby replayed um, the 2014 World Cup final between uh, England, of course, which you three were all involved in, against Canada. Uh, we just thought, 
what a great opportunity with, with not a great deal of recent news to uh, to get ourselves involved with. Just to ha- uh, indulge ourselves and, and have a look back with, uh, with three of the th- main protagonists. What are your general memories of it, Gary? Um, you, you were very open and honest on, on Twitter conversation we had on Friday. What were your overall impressions? Was it was it the the best time of your life professionally? Yeah, I think yes, it was. I think really looking back, it was interesting, and and the overwhelming emotion was relief. I think at that bit at the end, well, the bit where they had the ball, and um, I remember I watched it back that I saw time was up, and there was no way they could get enough points, and it was the last play, and that utter relief in that moment about we wouldn't have to endure that four years again of of not having achieved what we did. I think that that was a bit that came out just that. Oh my God, that we've actually done it. It was a, uh, yeah, I sort of, um, I had my hands in front of me. There was a metal bar in front where I was sitting and I sort of was almost frozen, like electrocuted it. So I was just gripping it so tight. And I remember Smithy trying to sort of say, are you okay? And I was just frozen with real relief emotion. I, I was, yeah, couldn't really move for a while. No, so, uh, Joe, have you watched it back? Did you watch it back on Friday? Have you, have you watched it back in, in the years since? Um, I haven't, I didn't watch it back on Friday, no, but I have definitely watched it back previously. So, um, yeah, I think kind of similar, I guess, to what the guys must have literally just gone through. I don't know what Berth thinks about this, but in 2010, I think a lot of us were just hugely, hugely disappointed and we thought we were genuinely going to win in 2010 final. So we had this like massive opportunity and then we didn't. So, come roll on 2014 then I think the expectation was very much to win and then when we're in a final again and put ourselves in that situation um yeah I think we it helped us by the fact that we'd already played Canada in the pool I think I don't know how the other guys feel but I think we underperformed in our um in our pool match so I didn't think there was any chance that we were going to underperform in that final because we'd lost the 2010 final and we'd underperformed against who we'd already played in the tournament. Berth, you hadn't watched it back at all on Friday was your first time. Yeah. Um, and Gary, she was giving out on Twitter on the Twitter conversation about us needing tissues and what have you. I think that was just a defence <laughs> mechanism because she was the one getting all emotional. <laughs> Oh, I was right at the end, like just seeing like the medal ceremony and seeing how like the joy and the delight and the relief on everybody's faces. It just it reminded you of how much it meant at that time. And when you're in that bubble right there and then you don't really consider and think about all those things. But then, yeah, it was it was unbelievable watching it back. And like I could remember half of that, that happened in the game Um and then just like little moments going on during that game that I was picking up on and just that real excitement just all came bubbling back. And I remember that year, do you remember we went to France and we lost against France, didn't we? And I just, I remember vividly like being in that circle. Um, and I just remember like, cause we, we should have won that game, but we didn't. And I just remember as a group, we were just like, right, we've got to use this as motivation going into the World Cup now because we know what's coming. And and I feel like that was such a pivotal mental moment for that squad to know that if we don't perform, then we won't be in an opp- have an opportunity to win it. And that was kind of probably the best thing that could have happened to us that year. Would you, would you agree, Gary? I mean, I was just going to sort of start the ball rolling almost chronologically. The, the, the build-up to 
to that World Cup. You were obviously uh, very much in the running for it. Um, did the Six Nations go as per plan? And if it didn't, <coughs> you back out what uh, what Berth says and actually it gave you a, a kick up the rear that was required? I think it definitely did because we'd won, so, we'd won so many Six Nations. We won six in a row and uh, probably the earlier the thing when we had the sevens players missing. But we'd, we'd had so much success and I think that it was so important, but actually that game was going over away. It's going to be a tough game against France, but first, right, we should have won the game. We made a few. Um, I remember the, the review. I can still see it in my head now. There were there were five sort of decision making area errors which would have scored five tries really, and we and we bombed all of them. But I think it gave us a real fixation that okay, right, it's just I'm not sure a reminder maybe too light a word, but it definitely won't work. We have got to be in our game because this is too important for all of us. We'd spent, most of the squad had stayed on. We had very little retirement in 2010 and pretty much everybody was still there. Um, and I remember after seeing the, the French team did a did a video, quite, it's quite common now, isn't it? But it was quite it's quite rare. And then they did one to um, a song about oh, Clap If You're Happy or whatever it was. And they, they, they were walking around with the Six Nations and stuff and that really annoyed me it really did and that was fair play to christian because he's he's you know he's a, he's a good friend then but watching france walking around as though they for me as though they were going to win the world cup was was a bit that i got really angry about i remember i remember the feeling right away thinking right we cannot lose we just cannot and was that was that message really clear joe it would say when you got to france um obviously you, you all been building to it that you got that drive of losing a home world cup Final 2010, despite heroic tackles and that kind of stuff in semi-finals. Um, <laughs> Chasing down wingers. Yeah, God, geez, wow. Um, was, was the message, re- you know, was it a, a really, really clear message? Once you got to France, you all know exactly, obviously you're trying to win the World Cup, but but the, the bits and pieces around it, was it all, all very, so the pathway very, very clear for you all? Yeah, I mean, we went there to win, 100%. And I think um, world rugby's just, it's got a lot closer contested. So with Ireland beating New Zealand and like Canada, every time we play Canada and America, they seem to be getting better and better and like closer and kind of closer to us. So there's a lot more of a level playing field going into that World Cup. So you knew that you couldn't take any any games for granted. So yeah, there's pretty strong like motivation. Um we couldn't take Canada for granted in the pool match. We couldn't. We knew we couldn't take Ireland for granted either because they'd beaten us in the previous Six Nations quite prolifically, actually, over in Ireland. Like, and they they were able to beat us. Either team was able to win that match. So we knew that we had to perform every time and took the field. I rem- I remember our Six Nation. We had a bit of change in personnel, and we were. Detail. I can't remember what army barracks we were at, but we had Stuart. I can't remember his surname. Do you remember Stu's surname? That's correct. Oh, the right. S&C. Pickering, that's it. Yeah, our new S&C came in and we just, like, oh, he was awful. But it was like <laughs> everybody kind of straight away, like awful in a good way. Because, But it was the right thing that we needed. We Just on the back of, like, losing to France, we knew that we had the talent and the ability to do what we, to go and win this World Cup, but we needed to keep working even harder. And we had the new S&C come in and literally... Um, whip us into the best shape any player has ever been in, like mentally and physically, as well as doing all the rugby side of things. And I think that was a real turning point, like just in terms of going to really dark places as a team, um, because we weren't fully full time. So we were coming in for camps. And I just remember that also being 
just like a real confidence boost. It wasn't that we knew we had the rugby ability, but now we were adding on extra stuff. And then we brought in psych and we were doing lots of work in psych. And it was all, all like these little one percenters that were actually adding up to, to lead into when we got to France. That the, I don't know about you guys, but the whole time there was just this like air of confidence around us. And like I said it on Friday, like we never, ever, ever mentioned losing we never even thought about it it never came in no matter who we faced it was just so focused and this air of confidence that if we as an individual you turn up and do your job and as a team collectively that will come together there's nobody that's going to stop us and I just felt that ever since that Six Nations game there was just this new turn because I think it was a reality that actually all that can be taken away from you um, and I just remember just always walking around in, in the, cause we stayed a little bit out, didn't we? And I just remember just in that area, just feeling that this squad was really special and we were going to go and do something really special. I, don't, I can't pinpoint it. And unfortunately, like, it's quite sad to say, like, I haven't felt like that. I didn't feel like that in 2010. I didn't feel like that in 2017. Wow. Yeah. Like the, during the match as well, there's quite a, in this. Sorry, this was against Canada in the pool match. There was quite a specific like moment of like when you think like losing was never ever mentioned. You just kind of knew what you had to do. So our scrum had sadly not been going forward particularly well, <laughs> and we had a scrum like five meters out, and I think it was the first time that we'd been anywhere near the try line. But then there was just this immediate kind of like sense of calm. So even though they'd been dominating us in the scrum, it was like, we are five metres out. We are an England scrum. We know what we need to do. And that was the first try of the match. Like it was just very, at no point where we, yeah, we weren't mentally going backwards. I, I want to ha- have a look at that kind of game. Sorry, sorry, I just wanted to pick up on something that, uh, that, that Berth said, Gary. A few, a few little tweaks in there. What, was that right? We're building up, and actually, at the last minute, we're just going to freshen it up because, as you said, personnel and what have you, and, and winning was was very much, yeah, you know, what you've been doing for the last four years. Um, was that conscious, or was it a crumbs? Actually, we do need to change things up, and I'm going to actually going to get a, a couple of fresh faces in there. <clears throat> no, it was it was really it was a real conscious decision. We we brought in uh, Cherry Daly as our sports psych, and she was without doubt the most effective one we'd have, ever had because it became very linked to performance about why we'd have one so it's not necessarily got somebody who's trying to find loonies on the side which is sometimes the uh, implications um so we worked really hard on this performance under pressure plan so i'm sure joe and rachel we very remember tough enough tuesdays um <laughs> so we oh, tell us so about tough enough tuesdays tough enough tuesdays so we, we took them mentally and physically into really really dark places and, and birth's dead right pixie was a lunatic um, if he's listening <laughs> in, the, in the best possible way, um, that he was prepared to. So we used to have very, very tough Tuesdays. We train in the morning, normal training session, and, and then in the afternoon, there'd be horrendous physical endurance and stuff. I mean, we would try to mentally, physically break them pretty much every Tuesday um, to try to make the games easier than training. But there's a really. So Pixie was absolutely obsessed. I'm not sure Berth or Joe remember this. I do because. It became it became a big issue, which was actually quite hilarious afterwards. He was, um, I do you remember he was obsessed with body language and that if you put your hands yeah. on your knees yeah. or hands on your on head, head, started again. So if you looked as though you were tired, oh you made the signal. Um, it start again. Or um, if you did the drill wrong, if, if you did, you, if you, yeah, yeah. So if you did something wrong, put your hands on. 
if you stood, so after Malcolm's, which is this horrendous up and downs from 22 to goal line for seemingly thousands of repetitions, if at the end you stood up <laughs> and you put your hands on your legs, which thought again or do so, he was bonkers. Um, but there became a, I think it was Sons who came to me um, after about two or three weeks of it and said, look, we get his work us hard, but actually he's being quite unfair because he's, he's blown us when we haven't got bad body language. Um, so I went and saw him and I said, look, mate, if you are going to do this, make sure that, you know, it's for the right reason. You're not just doing it. And he went, no, not 100%. So it became a bit heated and we got the video out and he said, look, here's, look, they look knackered, got the hands on their head. What he didn't realise is that most of our girls have got long hair and putting scrunches in their head. So he was, he was <laughs> taking that. that. Yeah, so he was taking that as though the girls were resting their hands on the head being tired when all they were doing is constantly putting scrunches in. So uh, that was uh, obviously he'd missed out that part of his, uh, his world coming from Worcester Men's Academy and seen that before. Yeah, but that was the kind of like mentality shift, wasn't it? Like we Gary talked about, we'd do these horrible sessions and I can't, there was one person, I can't remember who it was, um, that kept getting it wrong. So like you do like a Marley set Packer. six... Was it Marley? You have to do a, the, on, the, on the Malkers. Mm. So when you lay down, you have to take your hands off the floor completely. And somebody wasn't doing it. I don't know if it was definitely with Marley back well, I, me- I remember everybody shouting, Marley! I remember, I remember <laughs> it really well. And then you just went back to one. And you start again. Yeah. Even if it was on like rep six, midway through, start again. Um, and then he brought in this body language thing about hands on your hips. And we just, as a group, were like, right that's what we say when we're tired and it's like it was just like this common knowledge this common theme and just little tweaks like that just made such a big difference to to the whole squad and our work rate and and our discipline because that's what he was teaching us ultimately is discipline in all those moments and yeah uh, what army barracks were we at because that's where I remember I remember being in that little room and Stuart being introduced and he was like so direct it was like pay attention you suddenly stood up two inches taller your ears opened up and you did not take your eyes off him it was that kind of right drill sergeant is here and he's not here to mess about I think he started shouting at people in the meeting didn't he he's like introductory <laughs> meeting and if I think somebody said something or say like slouching he was like screaming at them in the room to sit up and listen it was it was really interesting wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> But brilliant. What what yeah. what do you remember of the other? Just to go back to to what you were saying, Joe, with the uh, with the, the the Canada game. What 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 do you remember of the of the pool games? What was it? Canada, Samoa, Samoa, Samoa. <laughs> which was a that was tough. Bit of a, a non-entity after wasn't long, was it? Before they got a red card. To Spain as well, wasn't it? Spain, Spain. Yeah, indeed. Mm, okay. No, that's 2010, Joe. <laughs> All I remember of Samoa is Mo Hunt dying, basically. Oh, yeah! <laughs> she, she did a cartwheel in the air and then back round on her head. Everyone froze and then there was a red card. <laughs> they hit hard, Samoa. Jesus <gasps> Christ. So, Samoa, you got past quite quickly. Canada, did it surprise you just how much you struggled and how much was that? Them growing in themselves because, boy, I'm not sure I've seen a, uh, a team grow quite so much in, in a matter of two months that, uh, that Francois Rattier 
uh, managed to do with that Canadian side? Or was, was you guys just, just off the boil? And if that was the case, why? To Joe. <laughs> nice. Um, I think, yeah, I think we underestimated them because to be fair, we do we did play Canada quite a bit, pretty much annually, either in some description of a summer tour or them coming over to play us. So we played them quite a lot and I think we thought we knew how to play against them. And then they came out playing knockout rugby because whoever loses that match doesn't progress to the semi-finals, which I think is also can be quite a hard mentality to get your head around in the pool stages. It's different from men's like rugby world cup, but the top two teams go through, but for the women's game, it's only the top team plus one other. And I think we just got a little bit complacent against them. I think as forwards, we underestimated them as well. Our set play wasn't what it normally was and what the backs can expect off us. We struggled we struggled at the scrum time. And I think scrum just basically represents physicality around the rugby pitch as well. So if you're struggling at scrum time, then we're struggling at like rocks and we just weren't securing proper ball for our backs. So, yeah, I think um, it was it was a weird one because I remember the match going on and on and on and everyone being like, it'll come good, it'll come good. And honest, I can't remember when we actually leveled the scoreboard but it was quite late on. And even the last like five minutes of the match, they were absolutely pounding away at us. They had possession in our half. We were defending for what set felt like a five minute set, which is crazy. We were like, we were defending. It was that time when you defend that you're so out of position that I was landing up in the backs. And it was just like literally everyone was just defending for their lives whilst they had this possession and they were desperately trying to score. It was a savage match. <laughs> What, what was going through your I, head uh, at the time, Gary? See, I was really calm. The, <clears throat> well, that, the, those definite Tuesdays, at the end of... I, mean, I don't know whether Joe and Bert from above, so I've still got all my sort of session plans and notes and everything we did, is that we did a lot of gameplay scenarios and we had done loads of, if it's a draw and there's five minutes to go, that's the game. And we'd, we'd actually played that kind of game quite a, quite a bit in the Tough Enough Tuesday. So I, I was really convinced that we were just going to hold the ball. And it's quite interesting at, at, at the end where we do have, we have that line out and we sort of, we look quite, I think we look quite calm, but I'm, I'm sure on, on the pitch it would, would have been like a, a duck swimming with the feet going underneath. But we, we look very assured in the last line out and then Mo just gets it and kicks it off. And um, so I, I, I wasn't panicking really. Um, I, I on the on the date itself, yeah, we underperformed a bit, but to be honest, that was a bit of the gamble that we'd taken with all the chops and changes that we did in Six Nations. Was is that I wanted us to get to the set, I thought even get to the semi-finals with our pretty much most of our best team available for the semi and the final, we'd win the World Cup. Um, so that's why we really worked on that strength and depth of um, pretty much anybody could wear the shirt, and it was a bit of a gamble. But the that savage. A game every four days, you know, that five games in 17 days at the World Cup is absolutely crazy. So I think that I don't think we were, everybody else will played the same team for the first three games. I remember after that pool games, me, the Goose, Christian, Francois, we all went out and they were like, oh my God, we've, our hotels are like emergency war 10 at the moment and you've got all your best players available. And I think that coming off the pitch against Canada, I was pretty I was convinced that we were going to win the World Cup after that. 
Beth, did, did you did you know that if you drew, you were through on the day? No. You got that message? I had no idea. You'd got that message on but there? It, came, it came on. Yeah, it came on. Um, but during it, like, I don't know. I just remember. And it's the same thing with Canada. Whenever you play against them, they're just so physical and they just run direct. And I think we just sat on the back foot too much. And just and then they were getting their offloads away and then getting more momentum. And But even with all of that going on, I still just felt like we just need the ball and we just need an opportunity and, it'll, and we'll make it happen. Um, I never thought that we would have lost that game. Um, I remember feeling like we just need to settle, we need to calm. Um, but yeah, I was still convinced that we would have gone away with either the draw or the win. and um, We were never going to walk off the pitch losing. And so if we move it, move it forward to... Well, actually, move it forward away from England... On to the uh, Ireland-New Zealand game. How much of a shock was that? And what was the reaction amongst the squad, possibly manager and players, to that result? Because ultimately it, it, it made things easier. Well, perhaps you didn't feel that. I didn't really care um, who we were going to play because we were going to beat whoever we had in front of us. But yeah, it was a massive shock. We were at the hotel. I think we'd just done ice baths or something. Um, and it was like in the extra times and there was some of us... I think I was crowded around the TV with a couple of other girls, and it was a it was a complete like oh my god I can't believe that's just happened that's unbelievable, um, but at the same time it was like well it we didn't we didn't it didn't matter who we were going to face it didn't matter. Gary, same for you. Yeah, I, to be honest, after I, I watched the end of the game, I, yeah, we had been I can't remember where we got back from, but we sort of caught the end. We had this. Um, quite ingrained four-day process and I think that if you'd come into the hotel on day one before the first game um, uh, against Samoa and then between the semi and the final even between the pool game and the final we just did each day the same where we did our review the players had the day off on that, the, the first day back and we came in we'd had our play meetings then we did our sort of our training and team run, and then meeting and into day day game again I don't we don't we didn't really worry about anything else that was going on we just had to, we were just getting ourselves right so to be honest it was completely relevant I say I think I'm worth it we would have beaten New Zealand that year if we played them in in the final I've no doubt you know and um so it didn't really matter yeah we just had to prepare for prepare for Ireland that, that was all in our heads really we, we didn't really talk about it as a group I think did we, did we, that New Zealand no were, I think it like just nothing changed we continued with the with what Gary's saying there, like we went through our processes every day, we stuck to our plan, um, and then we just got ready for whoever the next person we was going to play. Re- really, that there wasn't any, Joe. There wasn't any whispers in in, in corridors of, or, or in bedrooms. God, you know, what? that's quite cool not to 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 be facing the Black Ferns. Any part of you at all? Um. I don't know. I always enjoy playing New Zealand. I almost don't mind who I play. <laughs> like, so, yeah, you do. You just play whoever's in front of you, really. Just us um, media idiots. It's just a stark reminder of what you what happens if you underestimate an opposition. So, I think Ireland got their game plan absolutely spot on. New Zealand gave away too many penalties. They've got an absolute massive boot on their fullback and they've got a driving line out that's really hard to stop. <laughs> So you, you, you go into the semi-final. Um, what I, I remember was 
the fact that the, the point that you made, Gary, that everybody had pretty much played, Canada certainly, Ireland certainly pretty much played the same 15 through this pool stages. You hadn't. You were really, really fresh and completely blew them away. What, what, what are memories of, of, of that fine semi-final? So I think what well, I, I remember being in the sort of the shirt presentation and again I think we keep speaking about it. We had no doubt we were gonna smash Ireland. And not that they weren't a good side, and then the goose is a good friend of mine and he produced a brilliant side. But they they run themselves into the ground for, for for three three games and I think it's pretty much I think had one change out of fifteen over the three games um Ireland had, had and I remember looking around the room and I had this hungry group of people looking at me going I need to play. I want to get some game time. And uh, and you could really feel it. We, we were so fresh and bubbly. It's one of the best shirt presentations I can remember because it was, oh my God, it's World Cup semi-final. And everyone was just like, cool, just cool. we just want to get out. We want to get out and, out and play. And um, yeah, I think that was one of the most remarkable build-ups as a feel, I think. Um, just briefly going back to the New Zealand thing as well. I think between the... Between the World Cups, again, you know, we used to play once every four years, but the odd few papers played nine times. And if we beat them more times than they beat us in, in that period, you know, and the, definitely the, you know, the first six games, we, um, Alex Matthews had, um, had just come into the squad. She was only 18, 19. And her, her first six caps for England were all against New Zealand. And she won five and drew one. And I remember her saying to me really innocently as an 18, 19 year I said, Did these used to be quite good. Um, so that, that sort of myth of New Zealand where we had broken a lot. We knew they were really, really good side, especially at the World Cups. But with that hoodoo we'd gone, we, we'd beaten them. Pretty much everybody on the field had beaten New Zealand at some stage. So um, it was quite a different feeling. Back to that, that, that semi-final then, what was it a joy to, to play in? Do you remember the, the sense that the guys talking about there in, in the shirt presentation, ladies? I, I don't remember the shirt presentation as much, but I just remember like... Do you remember anything? Don't remember the game. Don't remember the show <laughs> presentation. I remember winning. Was this was this, was this gold thing I on the lanyard? Did I play? Game and Marley scoring it off it. Remember that? Sorry. Um, Carry on work wise. No, but I just remember like there was just this. Again, I'm quite a feelings person, but it was just like this sense that everything was going to plan in the game. Everything was clicking. I mean, we were doing things that we haven't necessarily tried yet, and we tried them in those games and. It was just, it was a really, really nice place to be in because it was like, it just felt we were settled and it felt like that we could do anything in this game and we're going to win. Um, but they they scored first, didn't they? Yeah. Did they score first? Yeah. yeah, I remember that. And I remember thinking, right, we're awake now. Now we're going to play. Cause, and like nobody panicked, nobody was worried. But you could also see Ireland thinking, oh my God, yeah, we're going to beat England. And, and it it was almost like, you've got no chance. We're, we are so like on our game at the moment, mentally and physically, there is no chance that this game's going to go to you. Joe, similar feelings rattling around your head? Yeah, it was a pretty calm and composed, like, delivery, really, because we play them all the time. So we know how to beat Ireland. We knew how to beat them. We also knew how they beat us, i.e. don't give them a line out five metres out. So, like, I think we were just well prepped going into them. Um, yeah, and like Beth said, it was, you, you know that you're going to win the match. So it's calm. Half time was interesting for me. I don't know if you two remember, but I'm. Um, Probably not. No, you remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I remember somebody asking me about sort of half times what it's like in the World Cups, and it was the World Cup half time semi final. It was like a library, but in a really good way. I was the, the the calmness of that changing room was most was definitely the the calmest changing room I've ever been in my career. That one, and it was really interesting, just walking around and the little EC groups just having a bit of a chat to each other, and it was just like. Yeah, it was one of those, it was the bit where the coach was redundant a bit. The players, they didn't need any anything from us at that stage. They were just chatting. Kater was chatting centre. Both were chatting to the backs and they, they line out a lot of them chatting with Joe and stuff. And, but it was just like, it was so surreal. You would never have guessed if you got somebody from the crisis coming to the world, coming to the changing rooms. I think they'd, a spectator would have been shocked and going, this is a really big game. You guys, you guys in a big game. It was incredible, really incredible to, to be in. So moving to that that final week, then I just remember that that that, that training ground, beautiful little club, wasn't it? Down that down that uh, alleyway, beautiful, really really green grass. It seemed to be sunny every single day, and all of you looking incredibly tanned and almost like you'd been on sort of a surfing holiday to Newquay for a week. It was, such was the atmosphere. It was so relaxed. <laughs> would, was would that be about right? I think we just had like an air of confidence about ourselves, particularly having literally just played Canada. We, yeah, we knew how to play them. We knew what we had to do. So like game plan was really clear and we just simply had to go and deliver it. There wasn't any unknowns left. Berth, that week, uh, that week post, post Ireland, leading into uh, the final, of course, against Canada. Um, Seemed really, really relaxed. Would would that be fair from the outside view? Yeah, I think I think everybody was. Um, I think you know having the little hiccup, or not necessarily hiccup, but the the way we played against them in the pool stages, and then um, trying to rectify that, and then you go in and play the way we did against Ireland, just totally turned your confidence around. Um, knowing how good of a side Ireland are and the fact that they just beat New Zealand, the team that everybody talks about and expected to be in the final. Um, yeah, I think it was more, everyone just couldn't wait to play. They were so excited. It was almost like we we quite liked the fact it was quick turnaround because we didn't have to wait that extra day. Um, but yeah, we just couldn't wait to get out there and show what we could do. We knew we had an opportunity in front of us and every single player had got themselves into the position that they needed to get themselves physically, mentally and ready and prepared for that final, that it was like, like we said earlier, it didn't matter who we were playing because we knew exactly every single person, whether you're staff, whether you're a player, what your role was leading into that final in order to win it. And that's just how everybody felt. Um, And I I remember the training session just being, like you say, in nice sunny, um, on the green, just... Everything sticking, going well, good conversations happening. Um, you know, almost we, I remember the team meeting as well. I think it was before we went and did team run. And Gary was like, right, what do you need? And it was all like, you know, it was, they're, they're never redundant in a sense. But it was like, there was complete trust in each other that we knew exactly what players needed to do, what we needed from staff. And, and we were so open and honest in that environment that we could say, do you know what? We don't need to put that in because that doesn't fit leading into this final so we could remove things and take things out and it was really open and honest and it just felt and gave you that real clarity of what everybody had to do in order to win the game the biggest stress you had that week was um, before the shirt presentation um, I remember Jam Man uh, Jeanette Shaw for those who know her um, said oh um, we're going to have to put shirts back 
and the players have called a meeting. I'm like, oh, God. So this is just for the World Cup final. I thought, what, what's going on? As Casey's called it, it's really urgent. Um, players don't want staff involved. So me and, and Graham and Miz, they're out to the door going, what is going on here? We can't afford this now. This has been perfect. Stuff. And Jeanette did. I said, Joe, man, do you know? She went, no, I don't. She said, I honestly don't know. And I went, we don't need stress before the World Cup final. What are they doing? And we were all panicking as a staff outside. And then we opened the door and it was absolutely one of my best moments ever with England. And the, uh, usually, obviously, the staff were at the front and presented the players with their shirts. And all the players were where the staff usually are. And the, the staff, what do you remember? You do, do you remember it? And we, the staff had to sit down and, and the players had given us all a present with a photo with them all signed on and messages and stuff. And it was, it was incredibly emotional. And we all got up one by one and did the whole line of the, the player group. Obviously, the other way around that we'd normally do the shirt presentation. And it was incredible. I'll, I'll never forget it. I remember Jeanette just bawling her eyes out. <laughs> I was, um, it was, I, I never forget moment. Wow, how how yeah. emotional! How, how, do you remember like, that? Yeah, and I, I think like I remember like throughout this whole process, it was really important to all of us to make sure that everybody was aware just how valuable they were to that team, and it wasn't one group of players, it wasn't one set of starting players, it wasn't you know the background staff. It was every single person had a purpose driven towards that goal and it's things like that making sure that everybody felt valued and part of that journey and that um, kind of roller coaster that we've been through was really important that we made sure that we did something that reflected that and that was one of the like again one of those moments that kind of just made you go we've got this because every single one of us had each other's backs do you remember that joe do you remember who who, who was driving that or all the people driving that quite uh, yeah quite quite selfless act as a team well, yeah, I think the girls are quite good overall at, like, I want to say doing selfless things, having worked in both men's and women's rugby. The girls <laughs> definitely show a lot of appreciation, like, for for the staff members because it was everything building up to that moment. It's not even a four-year cycle. What is it? It's probably an eight-year cycle, at least. I think there was significant change after 2006 World Cup, so it was a long time coming, and there was a lot of lot of appreciation as well. And after the final, I'm not sure if anyone knew like exactly what was going to happen as it were or whether you get the opportunity to um to thank all the staff again at least sober anyway um, <laughs> yeah that's why it was put together so Gary you, you talk about that shirt presentation which uh, yeah oof what a special moment that uh, that must have been on deciding who who got those shirts on that day how tough was that so fish selection Ever, definitely, you know, and um, yeah, really hard. And, and you know, Bertha was obviously we had we had a, a great players that, that weren't involved in the day, and it was so difficult. And, and definitely, Heather Fisher's was was incredible, incredibly difficult. Rachel was in the room when we told her actually we, we you know, remember that birth, but um, mm. that was really hard. But the, the quality of the back row just meant that you know, my, if it had been ruled by my heart, all the stuff that. Sort of, you know, been with Heather a long time, so I've so seen her from a kid when she was 14 and 15 and her missing out in the World Cup final 2010. Um, so that was so difficult to make. Um, but I think, you know, as a coach in the early days, selection was, was really difficult. You really you got to you, but as you get through and if your heart's in it just for the best of the team and the best of the group as the best you can, that's it really. So you became less emotional in selection. You just, it was, you'll never ever 
no one's ever going to agree, and especially if you go, you're taking all the coaches of the World Cup, pick the England 15 or 23, it would have been different. But that was what definitely what me and the rest of the coaches thought was right for their day, and and um, it proved right, I think. Yeah, that particular selection of Alex Matthews, do we go back to prior in this conversation when you said, you, what was the, the, the quote she said, do these guys used, used to be quite good today? Is that the kind of mentality and, and freshness that you needed to, what Joe and Berth have both been saying, to a squad that have been together a long time and actually a youngster with that kind of impression of, uh, of, of the big opposition coming in is actually a really, really healthy thing. Yeah, it was. And I think that that mindset of, you know, no fear with some of the players. So some, some players were driven by, you know, having lost and, and others were just coming in and being fresh. And, and Alex was, had played so well in the World Cup and the impression she'd made and, and her go forward um, sort of made it a, an easy pick relatively just because of the performance. But yeah, definitely emotionally. What do you remember? Do you remember every single detail? Well, silly question of a birth, is you remember the thing? Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, but yeah. perhaps the other two. You did you wake up early? Did you did you lie in? What did you have for breakfast? Were the nerves going straight away? Was it excitement? I, try and encapsulate the, the, those feelings for us. Of waking up on a World Cup final day, Joe. Um. Ah, oh, I was the morning of World Cup final. I was so grateful that it had finally come. <laughs> Need at least four years of waiting, another four years. So yeah, I just wanted to get on with it. No, no more training, no more chat about it. Just go and actually do it. So yeah, there was um, relief and loads and loads of excitement as well, but just excitement that kind of needs to be contained and like managed. Um, I remember we got like a police escort to the grounds, um, which I'm not sure we'd actually had before. So yeah, it was very, very surreal moment for sure um and then yeah it was just um just wanted to not get it over and done with but you just wanted to get it started because it always felt like it was this match that was like so far away and just would happen in the future and you're planning for the world cup and it just never seemed to like actually come around to the final day and then when it did you're like yeah you just you wanted to just get the ball on the ro- on the roll really Shruti? don't ask me i can't remember <laughs> um, well, I must have got up. Uh, I must have got to the ground. Uh, I'm pretty sure I played because I saw it the other day. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. Um, yeah, it was an interesting one for me because um, on the Thursday night when I went to sleep, I had the most vivid dream ever that we that we'd won it. And I got up and I remember coming off the pitch, got my arm around Nolly, and then um, I packed. I was ready to go home. Um, I went down to reception. And I was looking around and thought, well, where is everybody? We just won the World Cup. I couldn't remember the score, but I knew we'd won. And then it became um, obvious then that it was Friday and we hadn't played the game. <laughs> went back to my room and I cried for about two hours. That we felt like I'd lost it again. Felt like 2010. That I hadn't, we've got to go through it all over again. So that was that was one of the worst moments of my life, I think, professionally. I, I just sat down. I, I had to unpack everything. I was packed, ready to go home. Um, I was no. quite confused. Yeah, it was, it was It was really hard. Um, I had to stay away from everybody for the whole morning. Um, I, I think there was a meeting I was really stressed about going to and put things back. And But yeah, no, it was, all, it was absolutely awful. I, I felt as though we'd lost. It was that bad. Um, so I had to get myself up again for it. Um, 
and I woke up final morning and, and after, and I was probably coming to the game a bit, but after we were when I sat next to Fleeto, I don't know if she, she remembers this or not, and I was thinking, oh my God, maybe this is like dream again. I went, Fleeto, is this, is this real? And she looked at me and said, are you mental? Um, <laughs> I was, yeah, it was as real, that, sitting on the things that had been on my Thursday night dream. So, um, so yeah, woke up final day morning, remember it well. Um, I'd worried for four years about being able to hold it emotionally in on the World Cup final day. I'd really worried about that, about how I was going to be for the players, how, how much it meant for all of us, all the staff, our families, you know, Flip especially and, and Swell. Um, but that air of confidence that Joe and Berth talked about, actually it was a lovely morning um, because I, I knew we were going to win the World Cup today. And I thought, oh, I said, well, let's open. I've went, I, I've, I tell people who know this story that I've, the only coaches won the World Cup twice, I think, having won it on the Thursday night and then again. <laughs> <laughs> <That's there. laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, I was really, I was really calm. Um, I remember um, we got to the ground early, and, and as always on, on those match days, I didn't really, I didn't get involved in warm up. I left the players to it, and um, Joe Lydon, who was my boss at the time, he he watched the third, fourth place with me. I could see him keep looking over to me, he's going, you need to be somewhere. And um, he was looking, looking, then the players came out, we were watching, and he went, what are you doing up here? I went, I said, the players would hate me on the pitch at the moment. Katie used to tell me to go and bugger off if I was anywhere near on, on the, sort of anywhere near the, the game time and stuff. So, um, yeah, so I, I just sat really calmly, and as always, I had my own dressing room with Jeanette on the... On the uh, on a radio station, a radio frequency that we only me and her had, and things. If she needed me, she'd get hold of me. But no, I, the players were fully in charge by that stage. I'm Katie Dealing McLean, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Podcast. So we could do like part eight of this, couldn't we? Um, there's so many things <laughs> I, I, I want to ask, but um, uh, look, we've all got a bit of time on our hands, but probably not that long. Um, yeah, just a reminder, we, we're reviewing, uh, looking back at the 2014 World Cup final uh, with the uh, the winning head coach, Gary Street, uh, and two of the stars uh, of that England side at the time, uh, Joe McGilchrist, second row, and Rachel Burford, the inside centre. What what were the last words said, ladies, before? So Gary's up in the stands um, with the radio headset on and what have you. What were the last words in the change room? In trepidation, I ask, do you remember? Well, I've got no idea. <laughs> I, I, do you know what? I, the only thing that I could probably put a lot of money down on is what Gary's probably last words were, which was like, go and express yourself. Go and enjoy it because you've earned it. Like, And that was kind of, that was how we felt, that we had played and worked so hard to get ourselves into that opportunity. Like, it's just about going in and expressing ourselves because if we did that, then the result would take care of itself. Um, I remember the huddle and I remember Katie shouting a lot. <laughs> now, normally normally when Katie's shouting a lot, it doesn't matter what she's saying and you're not really taking in what she's saying. It's just a bit of emotion. Let's get going. Let's go. Because as Joe said, you know, all the chat had been done, all the training had been done. We were so confident that we just needed that whistle to blow. Was it more looks then, Joe? That kind of sort of physical communication rather than verbal at that stage? Um, well, Rocky normally gives like the pack a little pep talk before we go out there, considering we probably weren't as physical as what we should have been um, during the pool as well. I'm not sure I can probably repeat what Rocky would have said. <laughs> give us a give us a gist. Yeah, <laughs> right, okay. Not not to uncertain terms. Yeah, I remember the huddle. You 
You came out of the well, the corner, didn't you? Um, no, you came out of the middle. Anyway, and there was a huddle. No, yeah, down the end. You got together as a huddle, and I mean, if you were doing it now, it would just be beep 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 from Katie. Um, but yeah, just a, an, an air of calm, which um, Gary and Beth, when we were doing, doing the, the chat on Friday, seemed as though there, there, there was a reasonable amount of calm. And if things did go wrong, then actually you knew, then actually you had the class and other gear to get into, that kind of stuff. Is that same sort of air of confidence for you guys up front as well, Joe? Yeah, definitely. Like we knew we had a challenge because calendar are so physical. So from a forwards point of view, like they've got a good line out. They had a very good scrum as well. So we were very clear on what we had to do um, as forwards. And then the backs will just basically take care of the rest. So, um, yeah, it was just about oh, doing yeah. your job. We know that it was never going to be perfect. Like, you know you're going to make mistakes, but just not to not to worry about it. Don't let it get in your head. Don't let it get you down. It's just like next job. You can't change stuff if you make a mistake. It's just moving on to the next job and trying to deliver the best that you can. And two wonder tries for two, two very different reasons. One of the best team tries I've, I've ever seen, certainly – one of the best team tries for for the Red Roses, and um, a wonder score from a a very very gifted gifted individual. Do you remember those, Berth? Yes, I remember both of them actually, Johnny. Um, yeah, I just what I just want to pick up on what Joe was saying there, like in that kind of we're still like you're in a World Cup final. You know that the opposition are going to be really energetic I mean they're Canadian so they're always highly energetic they're always super positive and motivated um, and anything can happen in World Cup finals but at the same time there was just that such a calm sense around us uh, like I've never experienced it before and like just even when you know the score kept ticking over their way our way their way our way like you we just literally would look at each other and be like it's okay like next job let's move on and it's just that was how it felt throughout the 80 minutes and obviously every scout's try kind of was probably what sealed the deal and that was a moment where we weren't even expecting the ball and we went to a bit of a go-to move I mean my head was still looking at scars as I turn around and see the balls Katie's got the ball in her hands um and so and that kind of I think made us all go right that's that's job done now they, they could come back but really unlikely we'd have to have a really really bad 10 minutes um and then that team try like I just love it because I'm pretty sure it goes through everybody's hands everybody has an involvement the pace of it the ability of our front five everybody that was involved front H I say um yeah it's just like those moments like it felt like we had we scored more than just that it did Mm. and like the, just the feeling, it felt like we were in total control. We were on top of it the whole time. But then, like watching that game back, it was so tight for the majority of that game. But did it feel like it? Did it feel that much pressure at the time? No, it didn't. Gary, I was just going to ask you because we've spoken about that 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 team try, and that doesn't come around um, and, and unless you work together incredibly hard as a team and on individual skills as well. Well, could you just remove yourself from the situation and say, literally with your coach's hat on, wow, look, 
Yeah, let's be honest. Yeah, look what I've done with this with this squad. Look, look what I've achieved in terms of being rugby players. Could you remove yourself, or was it all just intertwined? No, and it did. And I, when I took the job on in well, the head coach job anyway in two thousand seven, I had two two goals really. One was to win the World Cup, and the second one was to remove the brackets. And that was I wanted to get away from. Oh, wasn't that a good try in brackets for women or for girls? Or oh yeah, they played quite nicely for women. And that try really encapsulated just a brilliant rugby try and and it was so interesting watching back now and some and uh, the thought was in I remember thinking at the time I look back now and sort of some of the bits in it so Rocky's pass from the, the breakdown where she just moves it um, and, we're, and we're away again as opposed to I remember back in South Africa when birth for I think birth for you was 16 when we went to South Africa something like that yeah so it was about so 12 years prior I remember we used to do these little skill sessions with with the fours especially, and, and do some and was doing some clearing passes with Rocky, um, which was really uncomfortable for at the time. And she ended up making more passes in some Six Nations games than anybody other than the scrum half at times. And those bit, that bit came back to me on the sort of outside Loftus first spell with Rocky doing a clearing pass. That just jumped straight to my head from in the World Cup final where she made that pass when and scored, and and all the, the two and ones with Tam and. Uh, Sunter, uh, Leto, then to Mag- Maggie, into Nolly and that stuff. Yeah, the amount of times with that it looked like that in training and under pressure doing it and being able to make good decisions when you're mentally and physically tired. I, I, I look that try. I look back and with huge pride, really. I think that was kind of one of the things like Gary as a coach brought in was it doesn't matter what numbers on the back of your shirt. It's all about being able to execute skills at the time that we need them and everybody has a place in, to do certain things. And I think that was one of the things, and it comes back to something that I always remember Gary saying, like, go and express yourselves. You've, we've trained at this, we've done this, we've worked on small skills, we've done handling. Yeah, I think if you used to speak to Graham Smith, like, if he was to go back to his time, you know, forwards did one thing and only one thing, and then working with Gary over time, that completely changed it. And you know, now he's brilliant at coaching small skill stuff. So I think like, that was also like another part of the legacy, like just watching that try kind of sh- changed or very much started to say, well, actually, forwards can do the things that backs do. I'm not going to go as far as saying that backs can do the things that forwards do. But... <laughs> Joe can. <laughs> Joe can. Um, yeah, that's true. But like, I think that was another big thing about, you know, that squad and that team and, and why we had that confidence. Cause it wasn't like, Oh, you're just a pop Rocky. You just scrummage and you just pick and go. Actually, you've got skill set that we could tap into at any point at any time that's required. And all those little bits oh. joined up together comes back to that confidence of this squad. This team has the ability in whatever position we find ourselves in on the pitch to do what we need to do. I'm going to disagree with Berth a little bit, only the fact that I agree that the forwards can't do anything, but our backs actually, through the work with Graham, their work around oh, the breakdown yeah. and stuff was, you know, Katie used to hate it when she getting sort of smashed in little rings and stuff and that, but actually we did really well. That, you know, not Nolly in the outside channels trying to get on the ball was like a Terry Unchie trying to get bonus. Yeah. So actually, so probably not front row and scrimmaging, but some some of those uh, breakdown and, and bits while well, our outside backs brilliant. Claire Allen is one of the best. Could have played seven, couldn't she? You know, Claire Claire's work over the ball is was unbelievable and stuff. So um, yeah, so I think that confidence came from you know if people went in wide areas, we'd turn them over. Um, Scazzy's turnover, the, well, the one she gets beaten, I think by Harvey's knit in in the final. She turns around, makes a tackle, and gets back and 
get support for a penalty. Stuff like those with little details. Again, both talk about the 1%. Being able to do that was a difference as well. Oh, I wanted to talk to Arch more about, more about the game. Um, Joe, that, that, that final whistle goes. I, I, I'm going to ask anyway, but I, I guess I know, I might, might know the answer. But what was the overriding feeling? Yeah, just massive amounts of celebration. Everyone was like jumping up, just, yeah. Relief? Just, I think on it earlier on as well a little bit of relief as well because the expectation was definitely to win and then we finally after eight years had had done it and then it was very surreal as well because then we were a bit like oh uh, what do we do now <laughs> <laughs> so yeah just loads of celebration and then also like getting getting the medals and being presented like with the trophy and then it just kind of almost went into a time warp thereafter but did you do you remember? I, I know certain people um, ran towards a certain person who just kicked a drop goal because they knew that uh, that photo would would last for a very, very long time. Did, did calculated <laughs> things? Um, I'm not mentioning names, obviously, uh, William. Um, did did conscious things like that go through your mind? So, right, I'm going to go and grab scouts. Or it's just literally, I don't matter. These guys are my teammates, my friends. Just grab, hug, just just uncontrollable delight. Yeah, uncontrollable delight all around with the people, whoever was like closest to you. So, um, no, God, no, that thought process didn't even go through my head. <laughs> I just, takes a I special know, person. I remember, yeah. <laughs> I remember like running on because um, I'd come off and I remember running on and like, it was already a huddle and I just was like, I want to get in there. I want to be a part of that. So I just remember like jumping, like, I don't even know whose back it was and just being like, we won, we won and just... Yeah, my emotions are just like up, down, like in the video, you can see like my face expressions either. I'm about to cry and then I'm like, yay, and then I'm about to cry again and then I'm happy again. And then, and watching that on Friday, like obviously when you're in that moment, you're not actually taking in everybody else's expressions and just, you know, look at seeing Gary's face and like just seeing the relief after all the time, you know, that we've, we've had heartache over it. And then, you know, other players seeing how their emotions are. Some people just absolutely like beaming. We've got tears. You've got people like in shock, like their face expression is like, oh my God, we've done it. And, and that's kind of like just eyes wide open. Can't believe that we've done it. And yeah, that was just so cool to actually watch that back because at the time you're just so in a bubble and you're just so excited and so overwhelmed that you're not really actually taking in what everybody else is doing. It was just, it was unreal. Yeah, it was very much a bubble, wasn't it? Because I think there was quite a lot of like press going on about in the UK, but we weren't kind of subjected to it necessarily. I remember when I went back to work, when I got back to the UK, and literally all my patients came in with their newspapers being like, oh my God, you're on the front page, like literally all of them. And they were like, this is a medical setup. They were like celebrating for us. Did you realise the, the impact you're making back at home, Gary? Uh, a little bit, but I said so we. The, Joe said the bubble, but we did, we didn't think about anything other than our day to day routines. To be honest, I don't think we thought about anything about home. Our day to day was so planned out and sort of driven that no, we didn't think about it till till afterwards really. So when when that when that plan comes to an end on that 80th minute whistle, and you're the World Cup winning coach, take take us through that next five minutes. 
Well, I was really calm and assured and unemotional at that time. I just walked around not smiling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> that's, I, I think that's I think that's what's happened. If I remember well, um, <laughs> your memory's like mine now. Then <laughs> yeah, um, no, re- relief, crying, um, just that bit about saying that. I think it was that feeling that you, nobody could ever take that away. Now I think that's it. Um, and then I just wanted to see um, Flip and Ben. So everything was going mental and sort of hooks. We had big hooks with everybody. And then I ran off and um, and it was so fortunate that Doug Langley from the RB came and intervened because I wanted to just get Ben. And um, so the, uh, the 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 groundsman wouldn't let him on. So he's been dangled down. I think it was Mul- Kevin Mulgridge was dangling Ben down so he'd get the pitch and wanted desperately just to wave to Flip. And she was sitting next to Stuart Lancaster at the time and and Ben got onto the pitch and this bloke was trying to stop him and Ben was using his best footwork to evade him. And it's so <laughs> lucky that Doug Langley came down and said it's okay because there could have been headlines that head coach kills groundsman um, post-World Cup <laughs> final. Because I was thinking, don't touch him, I just need him. And so I managed, so I managed to get Ben. I've got a lovely photo of, of him sort of jumping onto me and stuff. And yeah, that whole thing, the, the relief of Flip, who had gone through so much and there's so much support. You know, with a with her arthritis and and me being away for so long, is that I'm not sure what we what I could have done. I'm not sure how I could have got home and back to life again, knowing that we hadn't won it. And so, you know, knowing that we'd done it for friends, families. Katie was so eloquent after the game. We said all the people that had come before, everybody had been involved in the game, and saying the support of my wife was unbelievable. So that that was the most important thing, really, just to just to know that we weren't going to go through that heartache again from 2010. It was worth it. All that sacrifice was worth it. Wow. Um, I am conscious of time. You've been amazing giving giving us so much time on the WRP today. I really appreciate it. One one final question, and perhaps all all three of you can kind of just butt in as and when you want. After that, you're in the the Jean Bois. You had a few drinks there. From then to back to normal life, what were the little highlights? There were a few visits to certain residents... In London, there was roundabout trips. Did it take us through your, your fondest little anecdotes, uh, if you were, of, of life between becoming a World Cup winner and, and, and returning to, to normal life, getting out of your bubble? I don't, don't mind who um, starts. Um, Brilliant. Thanks, so Berth. That's Street. Berth's thoughts. Thank you, Berth. Yeah, Berth hasn't got a clue on um, Downing Street, <laughs> Wimbledon, um, I think were, were really nice. I know the... Um, the five girls who come from Oldfield, so um, uh, we went into um, one of the rooms in Downing Street. Remember we had a, an Oldfield photo, you know, we, 14 years before that, we'd sat in a room going, what do we want to do when we grow up? Um, and I was a young rugby coach in birth was a youngster when we went, oh, we'd like to play for England and win a World Cup. I think remember we did all this goal setting stuff and the fact that out of the 15 girls that we had at Oldfield, that five of them were with me in the World Cup final. Uh, 14 years on and we won it and then we we're like in down the street was just just thought really that that was really special that was cool got a really nice picture of that let's try and dig it up yeah any other yeah we had some great things didn't we we got invited to Obviously, like some really, really cool things, whether it's Downing Street or Wimbledon, or I remember like going to like gigs and like fashion shows that you would never even, you know, be able to even get into. So there were some very cool things from that point of view. But I think one of the biggest things like 
for me so that was my patients when I literally went back to them they were like oh my god this is amazing and I don't think we had any idea what was going on in the UK whilst we were in our little bubble in France we didn't know like you do an interview an individual interview but you had no idea about all of the publicity together going on and I think for me it changed when um so when I got back, my builder randomly, so I'd left the, the builder going on with his works here. The builder who was a middle-aged white male, like when I came home from World Cup with all your England kit and what have you, and he like he just came over, he shook my hand and he says, oh my goodness, thank you so much. And I was like, thank you for what? Like, like thank you for what he was like well I've got a daughter and I just want that daughter to have like a positive role model and there's so many like young females that are in maybe the music industry but this was still a time where female athletes weren't massively recognized and he was like the role models that are coming out of the 2012 Olympics and things like the Rugby World Cup is giving role models to girls that growing up these days that they can be professional athletes so yeah, I think that was that was something that yeah, kind of hit home quite hard for me. I've got one. Go on. I re- I've remembered something. <laughs> <laughs> so that's I all we got time for. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, carry... let me have a minute. <laughs> uh, no, you carry on, Beth. Um, I just think one of the most incredible things at the back of that World Cup was the fact that we were then. Um, BBC sports person at the tip sports team of the year like that's just something that you watch every year and you just think as rugby players firstly female rugby players that you would never get close to that and the fact that we were all sat there um, together all dressed up in the same dresses and same heels I don't know how any of us got on that stage without falling over um, but just that was so surreal that was so so surreal and uh, Gary you were up for coach of the year as well yeah like, I was a uh... Yeah, it was yeah, it was it was mad, wasn't it? And I think yeah, that that's a really good show because that was, you know, the behind the scenes VIP party where you're suddenly watching Kevin Keegan speaking to Frank Bruno, and it just like it was just mad, wasn't it? It was just a yeah, crazy night. You also, you almost felt like a fraud. You're like, how how are we in here? Like over the years of watching that, and that was just something that was like, this is unbelievable. Like we've achieved a dream that we wanted to do, and now we're getting this recognition but nationally. You know. I've got a, a thousand more questions, but uh, um, I'm very, very conscious. We, we, we've taken loads and loads of your time. Um, guys, thank you so much, uh, not only for that day, um, for what you did for, for English sport, but uh, females and the role models you've created, because I think that um, was has been absolutely huge in the development of women's sport uh, in, in this country. So to, to all three of you from... The rugby public, thank you very, very much for your efforts that day. And uh, for me personally, thank you very much for today. It's been absolutely fascinating. As Berth can testify, I could talk about that day um, for about another 10 years. I'm sure you could as well, Gary. But um, incredibly fond memories that, uh, that we all have. What, what's, uh, what's next for you, Joe? Seeing what's going on with the, with the Nightingale Hospitals, I'm guessing. Yeah, basically, yeah. Until then, sitting at home, looking at your pictures on the wall there. Is that England-France and a World Cup one? Oh, That's actually a little collage. Little collage. Oh, there you go. 
on the podcast, we're going to get a little, little collage of Joe's wall of, of lots of mixed uh, rugby photographs. And Gary's got his World Cup photograph behind there. Recognise the uh, the orange? There it is. Oh, look at it. There it is. Happy times. And Berth's from everywhere. She put her medal. She remembered where she put her medal. She only put it down three years ago. Uh, magic. Guys, thank you very, very much. Really appreciate it. Um, Keep staying in lockdown and uh, I look forward to seeing um, you both uh, very, very soon. Thank you very much, Beth. You're staying on the line and we'll just uh, we'll just wrap things up. But Gary, Joe McGill, Chris, thank you very, very much. You take care. Thank you, Beth. Stay safe. Well, what a, a, a treat to look back at uh, one of the finest moments in English sporting history, that World Cup final win in 2014. Uh, but that's about all for us this week. So huge, huge thanks to to Gary Street and Jeremy Grookers for for all their time today. I really, really hope uh, you listeners out there enjoy listening back and just all those yeah little that conversation just keeps up delivering little presents of uh, of information and insight to what was an incredible time for you guys as a squad. But uh, keep listening to uh, to the WRP. We've got a little mini series going on at the moment where I've asked. Legends of the game to do a all-time 15, whether that be England or, or World 15. We've had uh, Rocky Clark, haven't we? We've had Rachel Taylor. We've got Sarah Hunter, the current England captain, this Saturday coming out. We've done Lynn Cantwell, Catherine Spencer. We've had Jill Burns, haven't we? And Lisa Bird Burgess as well, we've done as well. So they're all in the can waiting to come out. But, yeah, our back catalogue is full of really, really fascinating, or we think certainly uh, very fascinating interviews uh, with players and administrators and coaches alike. Only shout out this week, Berth, did you see it? Uh, Bristol, who are doing a marvellous job, as they always do through their, their social media team. Alice Lockwood, dance routine. Absolutely outstanding work from her. Yeah, they're certainly putting on some entertainment for everybody during lockdown. But yeah, her um, her dance group is pretty... Oh, it's just funny. It's got humour in there. Um, she's not afraid to, to look silly um, and give us all a bit of a laugh. So fair play to the Bristol Bears player. Big shout out to, to Bristol and all those uh, those clubs doing their little bits to, to entertain us during this time. But remember, we're here every week, twice a week. And you can get in touch with us through... Well, you can choose. We've got Twitter and Instagram at Pod Women's Rugby. But look, make sure you subscribe, rate us and leave us a comment and let us know your feedback. Yeah, indeed. We'll be back next week, uh, of course, in our, our main edition of the WRP with uh, Sarah Hirony. Uh, was Sarah Goss, of course, a real stalwart of the uh, the Blackferns set up, the New Zealand set up sevens as, as, as well as fifteens. But until then, keep talking, take care, stay safe and stay safe. Until next time.